Welcome to the Church at the Springs podcast. The Springs exist to lead our generation to God and connect people to a community of Christ followers who change their world. To learn more about us, visit thesprings.net. We hope you enjoy the message. Eighteen days until Thanksgiving. Yeah, those of you going, woo, you're not fixing the food, right? It's like, it's, uh, no, right? It's like some, I'm going to somebody else's house. But, you know, that, that means that we are entering into the season of leftovers. How many of you, you're leftover people? You're, you like leftovers? You're good with leftovers? You could probably got leftovers in your fridge right now. You probably got some hairy stuff growing on some of them, right? <laughs> It's, uh, it's just your leftover people. I, I'm not a leftover person. I'm not, uh, for me, it's like, you know what? I left it for a reason. I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm just not a, it was good the first time. But, uh, but yet we're all going to have leftovers at Thanksgiving. Always going to have leftovers. And so what do you do with all the leftovers? You just keep eating them and then you get creative. And what do I do? And how do I fix different things and all the different ways to eat turkey? I found this video uh, uh, on YouTube that was what to do. It was probably the most creative thing I've seen to do with Thanksgiving leftovers. It's called Thanksgiving Leftover Bombs. And and, And it's a video of a guy running commentary when they're putting this thing together and taking all the leftovers from Thanksgiving and doing something creative with it. So this video has 7.1 million dollar, million, million dollar, whoo, million, million views on YouTube. Watch the screen. Okay, turkey, green bean. Wait, hold on, green bean casserole, go back. Girl, there ain't no green bean casserole. That is one single old bland old green bean. Okay, I can already see this recipe is being built on lies. Let's keep going. Okay, cranberry sauce. Now, y'all know good with it with some croutons. Oh, oh. Oh, this ain't right. This ain't right. Wait. Okay, mashed potatoes, the cheese. Oh, they done made it into ice cube. Y'all better not put this in somebody's drink or I promise I'm gonna call the FDA. Oh, okay, you gonna put that in the mashed potatoes? So you, okay, you gonna roll it up. You made a little ball. Okay, oh, we frying it, we frying it. Okay, so this is some fried. Okay, Thanksgiving leftover ball. Okay, I get it. Okay. Wow. I've never seen anything like this. Okay. Ooh, that look kind of good. That was good frying. And then you cut it. Ooh. You know what? I can't even lie. That kind of look like some heat. I may need to try this. <laughs> now, now, listen. I love y'all. But if you make those, don't bring them here. Okay, that, but that, that's the, the whole leftover. When you think about leftovers, leftovers are a picture of abundance, aren't they? You, you had more than you needed. And, and we kicked off this series, Overflow. Overflow, the series is about abundance. And uh, we, we started it with Jesus when Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. But I want to read you another uh, passage with something else Jesus said. And if you got your Bible app, the notes will be there. They'll also be up on the screen for you to track along. Because uh, in Luke 6:38, Jesus said, "Give and you will receive; 
your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, overflowing, right? And poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Jesus. Now, remember, this isn't some prosperity gospel theology evangelist on TV. This wasn't a quote from some preacher who has a private airplane and a mansion. This was Jesus. And, and the principle is you can't outgive God. You can't. I mean, and over and over again, we see this in scripture. And last week, Ricky Brown was with us. Uh, and Ricky taught on uh, the feeding of the 5,000. And, and in, in that text, I mean, really, when you think about it, the feeding of the 5,000 is about leftovers because Jesus fed over 5,000 people and had 12 baskets of bread left over. It was this abundance picture, right? And, but yet, that wasn't the only time that Jesus fed thousands of people and had leftovers. A lot of people don't realize this, but there was also the feeding of the 4,000 that happened two chapters later. We looked at Mark chapter 6 last week, and this week I want to look at Mark chapter 8. It was the feeding of the 4,000. And that you've got the same thing. And some people, you know, I, I have never really heard anybody teach on the feeding of the 4,000. I've never taught on the feeding of the 4,000. And as I studied it, I realized that, that there's some people that think that they were the same account. They just had different numbers. But they weren't. Because the feeding of the 4,000 is written about in two different gospels. And the feeding of the 5,000 is in all four gospels. So, and Jesus talks about both of those accounts. They're two separate accounts. And, and it's the, what you're going to find out is the disciples, they hadn't learned much from the feeding of the 5,000. Because here you have the same thing occurring two chapters later. Look at Mark chapter 8, verse 1. It says, about this time, another large crowd had gathered and the people ran out of food again. It's like, th this is it. Now, honestly, when that happened, if I had been a disciple of Jesus in that day, I would have hoped, I would have said, hey, Jesus, why don't you do it again? What you did with the 5,000, do it again with the 4,000. But they didn't. They didn't at all. They, 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 so they had to learn the same lesson again. And listen, anytime Jesus teaches a lesson in repetition, it's really important. It was important to them and it's important to us. So let's settle in. I want to pull out some overflow principles out of the, the feeding of the 4,000. And the first one is this, if you're jotting down notes, every miracle starts with a problem. It's a, a problem is a prerequisite for a miracle. Every miracle in the Bible was because there was a problem. And, and that, that means the encouraging thing is, is you have a problem today, you're, you're a candidate for a miracle. And if you have a big problem, that, that means there's a big miracle. It's like, and I don't know about you, I mean, anybody have problems today? I mean, I'm not talking about fixable problems. I'm not talking about ones that you can handle and you can solve. I'm talking about impossible problems, that problems that you don't have an answer to and you can't solve it 
on your own. The, see, the problem here in this text was obvious. You've got uh, a, a large crowd of people in a remote location in the wilderness. There's nothing to eat. 4,000 men and their families. And what are you going to do? Well, let's take a look at it. Jesus, uh, it says in verse 1, it says, Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They've been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. And so his disciples replied, how are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? <laughs> this would be funny if it wasn't so sad. <laughs> Right? I mean, it's the same question. This is about two months later. And I mean, if, if you saw the feeding of the 5,000, you would never forget it, right? <laughs> they did. In two months, they forgot it. They, they, they're like, they, they're still asking the same dumb question. How are we going to feed them? I mean, like, okay, so that we put it in our world. Has anybody here ever had to learn the same lesson twice? Uh, yeah. Hey, we, I mean, we've all paid a dumb tax before, haven't we? Where you're going, oh, I've been here before. It's like, how, how, did, how did I get $10,000 in debt again? How did I get halfway through a month again and run out of money? How did I move all of my credit card debt to another 0% interest card again? How did, I, how, how did I get 15 pounds overweight again? Too personal? That's just, listen, that's just my story. I don't know what yours is, but it, it's like I've been here before. We've all paid a dumb tax on repetitive stupidity. And you'd think we would learn the first time. But you know what? The disciples didn't. And I hope that's encouraging to some of us. So, but they didn't. But then the second takeaway is that the answer to every problem starts with what you have. God always starts where you are and with what you have. That's where the answer begins. I mean, they're in the wilderness for three days. They ran out of food. And Jesus, what's his response to the disciples' question? How are we going to feed them out here in the wilderness? Look what he says. In verse 5, it says, Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they replied. Now, notice he didn't ask, how much bread do you need? He asked, how much do you have? Because God always starts with what you have and where you are. He knows what you need. And, yeah, I mean, the, the good thing is, the encouraging thing is they did learn something from the last time. See, the last time with the feeding of the 5,000, when Jesus said, how much bread? Well, go find out, he said, because they didn't have any. So they had to go out into the crowd and find some poor little kid with his sack lunch and steal it from him to bring it to Jesus, right? I mean, that's probably not exactly how it happened, but, you know. <laughs> And I believe some rich person was sitting on lunch and he wasn't going to give it up, but that's another thing. So, but, but that, they had to go looking for it. This time they had it. So what they learned was we brought our own. We got enough for us. 
And, you know, they said, we got seven loaves. And, and then we got enough for us, but I'm not sure about them. Listen, what you're holding on to, God wants to use to do something miraculous for someone else. But we hold on. We go, no, I got, I got enough for me. And God says, no, I'm going to give to you what I know will flow through you. That's, it's got to circulate. That's, I mean, think about it. Look back, I mean, in the Old Testament, Moses, God asked Moses the same question. What's in your hand? I mean, in Exodus 4.2, God said, what's in your hand, Moses? And Moses said, it's a shepherd's staff. Because he was a shepherd, because that's what he did. That, that staff represented his, his identity, his income. That's how he made a living. And it was all about, this is, it was his influence in the community. You know, in the people, Moses was a shepherd. And, and God said, lay it down, Moses. And Moses is holding on to what's his. And he's like, I, I don't think I want to lay it down. No, lay it down. Because when you're holding something and God says, lay it down, and you're just clenching it with your fist, it's because you're saying, no, this is mine. And God says, then if you're going to continue to hold on to something, when I say lay it down, then what you're holding is all you'll ever have. But when you lay it down, I'm going to do miraculous things in your life and through your life. And that's what he did with Moses. Moses laid the staff down and that staff then became a snake. And that staff, God used that staff. You know, what's interesting It's from the moment he laid it down and he kept laying it down, it was no longer called the staff of Moses. It was called the rod of God because now it was God's. And it's God saying, what are you holding on to that you're saying, no, this is enough and this is mine and I've got to protect and keep? What's in your hand? How much do you have? That's what Jesus was asking. And you know what? And God wants to use it and that's what the disciples did. They gave it. And that's the third takeaway you see is that you have to give what you have to Jesus. God always starts with what you have and what you keep and hold on to is all you will ever have. But what you release and give away, God multiplies and gives back. You listen, I've had this conversation with so many people in this series who have said that to me. It said, oh, man, this is, this works. This is, this, if we would just get this, we would understand. It doesn't, because I understand it. People are hesitant because it doesn't make any mathematical sense but it makes total theological sense that God would multiply. And Jesus demonstrated that in verse six, verse six of Mark eight. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground and then he took the seven loaves. He thanked God for them and he broke them into pieces. And now leave that on the screen because something happened. He thanked God for what, they had. I mean, that's really big. It's like, okay, God, thank you for these seven loaves. It, it, you're, what you have, God, thank you for this. Instead of complaining about what you don't have. It's like, God, thank you for this. And, and then he, he broke it. And that, that, that verb, that, that word is literally, he kept on breaking it. He kept on, it was this repetitive. And it said, 
he gave them to his disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. I mean, I don't know. I always kind of think about what, what was really going on because you got 12 disciples, you got seven loaves of bread. And I don't know if they're carrying it. They got a little basket or something that he broke it in. He broke it and divided it among the 12 and said, go ahead and feed those 4,000 plus people. <laughs> I could just see Peter looking down at the broken pieces and looking back over his shoulder at 4,000 people and coming back to Jesus and say, you might want to pray a little more over these, right? Like, I don't think this is going anywhere. And, and, but here's the thing. The miracle happened in the hands of the disciples because if they had stopped giving it away, miracle was over. But they were the ones giving it away. And that's when Jesus just multiplied it and broke it and kept breaking it. And it, they kept giving it away. And it's that God likes to do miracles through people. I mean, that in Mark 8, the result of that, Mark 8, 8, they ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. And it, this wasn't like the, the last time, the 5,000, there was 12 baskets, but they were small baskets. These baskets were large baskets. They were, they were large enough to carry a human being in. They were massive. And they had seven, you know, baskets left over. And, I, you know, think about the abundance of that. It's like, okay, God, you took seven loaves of bread and look at the large baskets left over. Listen, I've seen God do that in so many people's lives that it doesn't make sense. And I, I've watched that when people release to God. And, I, and, and listen, I, I've said this in the series and I want to make sure you're hearing this. Um, this, in this series, Overflow, we don't want anything from you. I, I don't want anything from you. I don't. I, I, this isn't a uh, you need to give series, that we need your money series. That's, please don't hear that. Release that. I want something for you. This is an invitation for God to be active in your life in a very personal way. And, and I, I want you to hear the story of some good friends of ours, Matt and Cindy Payne. Matt and Cindy have been at the Springs for over 20 years now. And the first week of this series, I got a text from Matt at the end of the service saying, Ron, this changed our lives. And I want you to hear their story. Sydney and I met in college, ended up getting married. We've been married for 31 years. And we're at the Springs. We started with the Springs, gosh, back in uh, spring of 97. And, uh, you know, Ron would once in a while talk about tithing and I would hear it and I would keep thinking, but you don't understand, I, I can't tithe. I don't make enough money. Um, I know I should, but I, I can't. It's like, scrape, 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 okay, here's $20. My tithing was at the very bottom. I didn't, I didn't take priority with that. My name is Matt Payne and this is my wife, Cindy. And we have three wonderful kids that 
grew up here at the Springs. Through Ron's messages, I remember one specific message he had where he was talking about tithing. I'm like, okay, here we go. And, he, and then he talked about people have their budgets upside down. Most people have their tithing on the bottom. The last thing to do, that was us. And throughout his message, I was realizing what's in my wallet is not mine. What's in the bank account is not mine. What's parked in the driveway, hey, it's not mine. It all belongs to God, not us. I was trying to manage our finances and our money with my math. And then with Ron's message saying you need to turn your budget upside down, it's like, okay, because I'm not putting God first. I'm putting him last. I talked to Cindy about it and she agreed. We were, we were on, on the same page. And so we didn't build up to it. We stepped out on faith. We just started doing it. We just started, I turned the budget upside down. Was I nervous? Yeah, because of my math, it, it didn't work. It would not work. We knew for years that it, this was the right thing to do and that this is what God want us, wants us to do. And we just went all in and- We went all in. At the, at the end of the month, we had more money left over. It didn't make sense. And it's like, that's God's math. Month after month after month, we're continuing to tithe and we're having more money left over. Stepping out on faith really works. That's the moment it actually all started to change. We've always had a great marriage, but it's just, just our forward momentum with finances and everything else was just bumpy and stagnant, you know, kept getting further behind. That visa bill was growing, stressing me out so much. But looking back, I can tell that's the moment it actually all started to change. After a while, we were able to get out of visa debt. It's like, wow. And then, you know, fast forward also some more time. God's putting people in our paths and our lives to give us information and help us. The uh, spring sponsored um, the um, Dave Ramsey program, Financial Peace University. We took that. That helped to change my mindset about money and budgeting. March of this year, um, I went down the bank at 54 years old, went down the bank, was able to write the final check to pay off our house. At 54 years old, I'm not supposed to have a house that's paid for. I'm supposed to carry this mortgage to my grave. But now we have a paid for house. And looking back, it all started when we stepped forward in faith and started to tithe. All these things that God orchestrated in our lives to grow in knowledge and grow in faith, bring us from here to here to here to here. I mean, God's just blessed us immensely. And it all started with tithing. Just give and just go all in and do it. And don't try to fit it into your budget. God will take care of you. You just have faith and, and he will. Human math never works. God's math is so much better. We are living proof. They, I love that line. They are living proof. I mean, that, that journey from not enough to overflow, God's, God's inviting us to something. I mean, that, that's what Jesus was teaching through 
that he will supply all our needs. And, you know, and the, the last takeaway I'll give you is that it requires faith to give first. When Matt said that, flip your budget upside down, I actually talked about that I think a couple weeks ago too. God first, not last. Because in the kingdom of God, God first is a massive principle. Over and over and over again. He's, you know, because when you give first from what you have, you will have all you need. Philippians 4.19 says that he'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. I mean, it's God first. You want God's activity in an area of your life, put him first there. Put him first there in your career. Put him first in your marriage. Put him first in raising your kids. Put him first in your finances. You want to see God's activity. God will not play second place to anyone or anything. He will not be second fiddle. He is the creator of the universe. He is the sovereign God of everything. He is not second place. And he says, put me first and watch me come to life in that area of your life. I mean, that. And you know, first things first, I mean, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. It's a scripture clearly teaches when it comes to our money that the first goes to him. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. First. Put him first. For Teddy and I, this is a pre-choice. We decide before we even get paid. I mean, we, we have that uh, deducted right out of our paycheck. Because we, you know why? Because you automate what's important to you. You automate your house payment. You automate your car payment because you don't want to miss them. And, and for us, we don't want to miss giving God first. And so it's automated. And it's that, and I don't know where, you know, if you're in a place where you say, well, I, we, we don't automate that. It's not, well, then if you don't automate it, you're going to compromise when times get tough. You're going to trade internal convictions for external circumstances or conveniences. Something else came up. God, God you're first, and I'm always going to keep you first. And I mean, this one's hard to understand because it doesn't make sense, but it didn't make sense to the disciples. And you know what? They still didn't get it. Even after the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000, they didn't get it. Because read uh, further down in Mark 8, and they get in a boat with Jesus after, after the feeding of the 4,000. And guess what? They didn't bring enough food. They had one loaf of bread. And they start, you know, arguing about, you know, how are we going to divide this up? We didn't bring enough. They just left seven large baskets full of bread. And they didn't bring enough. And even in that moment when they're arguing, Jesus, Jesus basically looks at them and says, guys, don't, don't you understand? I mean, in verse 19, he says, listen, don't you even remember when... when when I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? <laughs> you can almost hear him going, 12. <laughs> right? They're going, oh, we know where this is going. 
And they said, and when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven. And then it comes the question, don't you understand yet? Don't you get it? That I can supply all your needs. Don't you get it? I mean, he says, don't you trust me? Because that's what it comes down to. I'll never forget when Teddy and I went to seminary. We were in seminary, and, uh, and in seminary, everybody's eating like beanies and weenies, and you know, you're, nobody's doing well in seminary. You're just scraping by. And we were there, and we had two boys at the time. And, and then uh, I'll never forget one class. I walked into class, I'm sitting there, and I'm listening in, and this conversation's going among seminary students before the class started about giving. And one guy says, you know, well, I mean, we, we can't afford to give. Like, and God knows, you know, we've sacrificed enough just to be here. And so, you know, we don't make enough money right now that we can give. But one day when we get a, you know, a good salary, we're going we're gonna to give. And, and then I just kind of perked up and listening in. And, and there, the other guys were weighing in going, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean, man. We, we're the same way. And I just stopped and I said, guys, hang on a second. I, are you kidding? You, you really saying you guys don't give and you're seminary students? And they all just stopped and looked at me. And I said, guys, you, you can't afford not to give. You can't afford not to have God involved in your finances and in your life and in your home. We're, how are you going to go lead churches someday to trust God when you don't even trust him? I didn't get invited back to those conversations. <laughs> but, but that's what it was. They didn't trust him. I, I can't imagine not having him involved in my life. And you've you got to hear this, that, that God, God doesn't need your money. God doesn't want your money. He wants what's behind it, your heart. And for so many of us, money is right between us and God, and we're holding on tight. And God says, let's move that out of the way because I just want to, I want a relationship with you. I, wanna, I want blessings in your life. I want to walk with you. And here's the thing. God wouldn't ask you to do something he, he hasn't already done. God gave first. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. I mean, that... That's, he gave his son for you. He gave his best. God, Jesus was God's tithe. He gave. Why? Because he knew that we would need forgiveness for our sin. And we, yeah, we get forgiveness for our past. We get eternity in heaven, but we get life overflowing today. What a God. And he's just saying, I want to be active in your life. And for some of you, you've never ask Jesus to be the leader and the savior of your life. You never started that. Maybe you're trapped in the Christian religion circles where you're just kind of, I'm showing up and I'm, you know, making a list of do's and don'ts. And no, no, that's not Christianity. Christianity is a relationship with a living God who loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And he wants to give you life to the fullest today and eternity. And it starts now. But you got to tell him that. And you can begin that relationship right where you're sitting. Let's go to the Father in prayer.
as you bow your heads and close your eyes, if you're here today and say, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. I want him to be the leader, savior of my life. Tell him that. You could pray this prayer, not out loud, but between you and God, right where you're sitting. And you could say, dear father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, to pay for my sin, to give me forgiveness and eternity and life overflowing. And I ask you, Jesus, to be the leader and the savior. And I ask it in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you're in the area, join us on Sundays. For times and locations, visit thesprings.net. And again, thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast.